casa. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the power of water and your health. In other words, Earth has a human mission to protect the water and have water here for eternity for a healthier planet. And there should be a word called forever. Uh, not think about it going away like what happened to other countries of the world. It became sand. Why do you think they became sand? They didn't protect the water. Did you know that in Iraq at one point it was like uh, it had canals and it was beautiful? People were going from border to border in canals, and today it is sand. So we have to stop and think about how that happened, the sand. Uh, let's join together thinking. Our talk show is the only radio talk show dedicated to life-threatening water wars, the water war that is going on all over the world, including the United States of America, the wars that are causing people's health and damages and problems and frustrations. The global water and health crisis is is a big issue, and this show is dedicated to it, and these special guests that are coming on are beyond all imagination to me personally. They are making this show a worldwide, international, new, exciting new talk show. Interviews with global research leaders and health leaders, the environment, news reporting and education are discussing the dehydration diseases, the problems of our planet, and we can learn in this classroom together. Uh, it is exciting to save a life. Now, let's say you are listening And then all of a sudden you decided you were going to start listening. You're going to tell your friends and family to listen. And could they save a life? Could you save a life? You bet your life. I know you can. Your life can save a life. Today we have some exciting guests. Uh, We have Professor Joseph Prospero, who is from Miami, Florida, University of Miami. He's a very distinguished faculty member and scholar at uh, the Marine Division of Marine and Atmospheric Chemistry, the co- at the Cooperative to Enter- Institute for Marine and Atmospheric Studies. I think you're going to enjoy this right now because of all the news we've been getting on the ocean and what's going on with the atmosphere and the problems that are happening. Um, and something as education, the lack of education we've all had. The second guest is going to be a professor, Marlon Canuck. I'm going to have Connecticut, I'm sorry, Connecticut, uh, who's uh, at the college station in Texas. He will be in New York today, but he's a professor of oceanography for the Antarctic Research and Climate Changes. And that's going to be a nice classroom education to learn the differences between what is happening around the world and here in the United States also. Uh, I want you to know that it is serious of what is happening out there. In the world, 2.5 billion people in the world do not have access to proper sanitation. That is water. 
have you been hearing about all the people dying with malaria? What is that? Because of water. We've had on here people who are giving their lives to understanding better education and spreading the information about how we can save our planet with the water. And the one thing I've mentioned to all of you out there listening worldwide is the fact that Earth has the water. Now, isn't that interesting? With all the exploration of the universe, the Earth has the water. Let's do something about it with this show. We will, together with this show, around the world, learn how we can protect the water and have better education. Our show, the Sharon Klein Hour, The Power of Water, is world with World Talk Radio, Green Talk Radio, uh, Apple iTunes, and now our new family member, CBS Radio Worldwide. So let's join together, listen, bring your friends and family, have them go to the SharonKleinaHour.com or follow me on Twitter at SharonKleinaHour and listen closely to what we can all do with a healthier planet and save a life. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the surface of the eye Did you know the surface of the eye is 99% water at the tear film? What is happening when you don't get enough moisture? You get drowsy, you get anxiety, you might be sitting at a computer and get blurry, you could be driving and get blurry, you could have headaches and allergies. With just a mist, all natural, you can solve that problem as often as you wish to supply natural moisture with Nature's Tears Eye Mist. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be back with the professor. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Our guest is Dr. Joseph Prospero. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, I appreciate... Or good morning for you. Good morning to you, too. I want to thank you for joining us. And uh, if I should interrupt every once in a while, it's because I want to be learning as much as I can and representing the listeners around the world. And first of all, uh, doctor, can I hear a little bit about you and how, why did you decide to become involved in atmospheric chemistry and uh, marine, uh, probably biology and more? 
Well, um, in, early in my career, I became very much interested in the origin of the deep sea sediments around in the, in the ocean floor. And uh, at that time, there was a, a, a lot of dis- discussion about where these, these uh, soil-type materials derived from. And the, main, the thought was that it was primarily the rivers that were carrying this material to the ocean. But some work that was done in the late 60s suggested that the atmosphere might be playing an important role. And in fact, that is what proved to be true uh, for large areas of the remote ocean. And uh, with that uh, impetus, I uh, pursued that, uh, that direction of study. And that involved me with not only marine uh, sediments, but also uh, atmospheric uh, materials supported, transported by the winds, uh, carried from the continents to the oceans. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, fascinating. When you were talking, I was following when you must have been just absolutely fascinated. You know, on our show, we've had scientists from all over the world, Nobel Prize winners and more, and you listen to their reasoning why they chose to be involved in when they're at, where they chose to study. Um, and all of a sudden, you're hearing a passion in the tone of something that is a commitment to learn more about, which is so vital to uh, the, uh, the planet lasting forever, is you need to learn those things. When you started le- out to learn, and I've been in research for over 30 years, what were some of the things that you learned that you were so fascinated with to continue the lead, leading you on to learn more? What were some of the original things that led you to believe there's so much more to learn here? Well, uh, my my studies uh, in the, the mid '60s led me immediately to uh, the uh, Af- African dust. That is the the fact that there were extremely large quantities of African dust being transported across the Atlantic into the Caribbean, into the um, southern eastern United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was involved with a field program in Barbados in 1969, where we uh, there were a number of ships and aircraft involved, and at that time, uh, we were uh, surprised that the extremely large quantities of the dust, the very high concentrations, and the fact that this material was uh, carried day after day during uh, the summer months uh, into this large region of the Western Atlantic. And in fact, uh, you know, in, in a few days, on Thursday, my group... We'll head back to Barbados again. We have a field program there to look at other aspects of uh, African dust and other suspended materials in the atmosphere. So uh, the whole the study evolved over the years, and we've developed a uh, one of the longest uh, records of suspended particle measurements uh, in existence. And uh, it's this work that showed us that uh, there was a, a lot of variability from year to year, and that variability in dust transport was closely linked to the cycles of uh, aridity, of drought in uh, in West Africa. So uh-huh. That's what I was been... wondering if you're going to lead to that. Um, um, then, when you're help us with this, uh, when you're studying, let's say, the dust, could you explain that to the world? Um, about when you're studying the dust, where where is the dust? Uh, how is, is it in the clouds, or is what is it in the wind? What, when you're studying the dust, what do you what are you actually studying? 
Well, uh, we, I mean, at the simplest level, we uh, we have a station in Barbados on mm-hmm. the eastern coast of the island, mm-hmm. and we can t- collect, uh, uh, filter large volumes of air mm-hmm. uh, onto a, uh, we collect large volumes of air, pass large volumes of air through a filter, and mm-hmm. we take that filter every day. And now, uh, is it a very large it. filter? What type of a filter? Oh, well, is it? no, it's it's uh, it's uh, actually it's an eight inch by ten inch uh, okay. uh, filter. It's roughly the size of a you know sheet of paper in a, in a pad. Okay. And uh, it, and of course it's a special uh, filter matrix. Right. But the uh, so those those filters are returned to Miami. We extract the water soluble components from the filter, and then we analyze them for things. Mm-hmm. Such as uh, you know sodium and, mm-hmm. and potassium and calcium, the typical soluble sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. The sodium, of course, from sea salt aerosols, mm-hmm. and we also look at uh, iron uh, and other elements that might also be soluble because that is a very important topic these days from the standpoint of the uh, fertilization of the oceans that is providing essential micronutrient iron uh, mm-hmm. to the marine biota, and uh, that that is one of the major focuses of, uh, of dust studies uh, all over the globe today is, is the role of dust as a source of iron. So then so what is we... the focus on long term? Let's say you've got, you're researching uh, all of these um, subjects, projects uh, to be. What is the long term evaluation? What do, you, what do you think you're going to be learning that would be of help for, is it a cleaner ocean, a cleaner air Cleaner waters, cleaner soil, uh, cleaner atmosphere. What do you think that in the, in the long-term results would be? Well, all of the above. Uh, all of the above. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, at, at, the, at, the, at the basic level, uh, at the fundamental level, we're just trying to understand uh-huh. what factors uh, affect the composition of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And when I say the composition, I'm referring to suspend, suspended particles in the atmosphere. All those things that in, in, the, in the atmosphere. You know, um, right. doctor, I always t- uh, try to help people learn something here, too. Is that, and you can help me with this. Uh, is when you're in a room and you see the sun shining through the window and all of a sudden you're looking at all the dust that's in that air in the, uh, throughout the room and a lot of it can be flora, skin shedding. But you go outside yes. and do what you're doing with all the particle, all those little tiny particles that are in the air that we're all breathing, but you mentioned the the rivers are breathing it, the ocean is breathing it, the soil is breathing it, everything is breathing it. So you chose to study what I think is so fascinating because I've said forever in my studies, what is happening all over the world that we have to learn is what all of us are breathing, what the air is breathing, what, what uh, the water is breathing, what the soil is breathing, what everything, everything is a breath of air. Yeah, well, the, the, when, when we talk about, when I say that I collect dust, the dust that I collect is a little <laughs> different from the dust you have in your house. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and you, you, right. And you uh, alluded to it by saying that uh, there were uh, fragments of, of uh, Cloth and things of that sort. There are there are biological particle parts, and and there's a lot of junk that um, is derived from everyday living. The, the the stuff that I'm looking at is is overwhelmingly mineral uh, material okay. derived from soil. So there there, there is there is a, a big difference in dust, and it has a 
an impact on a number of processes. The, the house dust is a very major uh, health issue, particularly with asthma. And one of the questions uh, today about the sort of work that I and others are doing with uh, particles in the atmosphere is, is, is do these particles transported over long distances, do they affect health as well? And in fact, uh, there is evidence that that uh, in the case of African dust, that the concentrations of dust transported from Africa can be a health issue in the Caribbean, uh, Western Atlantic Caribbean, because the the concentrations of the dust exceed the, in some cases, exceed the limits that the uh, Environmental Protection Agency uh, has set up for respirable particles. So, now, and we're talking the, the the natural dust. We're not talking yes. man-made dust. Yeah, Nature's we're, we're dust. talking. Yeah, yes. So See, we always uh, have that, to be that, careful that, there, doctor, because people today are so um, quickly blaming everything on Earth mission. I, I mean, the human side of the mission, and. Yeah. Um, we need to make clear that you're studying what is happening with the nature of dust movement because of the atmosphere and the changes wherever it may be during a year, season, or ongoing earth changes in different parts of our of our earth that we're living on. Yes, but there, there even though we think of uh, soil dust as a natural uh, product, uh, there's re- there's a major concern actually that a lot of the uh, the dust that we see mobilized uh, to the atmosphere uh, from Africa or Asia or uh, Australia or you know name a, an arid region there is a major concern about the impact of land use on dust mobilization uh, of course you know we had we had in the United States our own a dramatic example of the uh, impact of land use on on dust mobilization in the uh, Dust Bowl of the 1930s, and that was due to a combination of two fact well two major factors. One, there was an extended drought, and two, the uh, there were a lot of grasslands uh, that had been turned over to agriculture, uh, and they and they used techniques which did uh, bathe the soils very uh, readily, uh, blown away by the winds. You know, so, we need to take a moment with our sponsor and uh, Dr. Prospero, but that is a good one for people to learn to compare to uh, where we've come from and what we've been trying to learn uh, to understand what is happening in the atmosphere. Um, we'll come back in a moment, so don't go away. Okay. Okay, okay we'll you. be right back. Thank you. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only natural method of moisturizing the eyes. We'll be right back with the doctor. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. 
the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Prospero, you were talking about something uh, that in the United States, in the 30s, they had what was called the Dust Bowl. And uh, could you explain that again and what has happened to that same location since and what did we learn? Well, the, uh, the, the central part of the United States is, has always been subject to uh, long-term variations in rainfall, and it's a, natural, it's a natural variability. And when the grasslands were opened up, the plains were opened up to agriculture, uh, they, they, there was not much thought given to the techniques to be used. In fact, in those days, they didn't have good ideas about how to minimize uh, wind erosion of soils. So, um, so that, that was a, a lesson in two factors. One, the importance of, of having a good understanding of long-term variability of rainfall uh, when you start planting crops. And secondly, that uh, use techniques that are not so disruptive uh, of the soils. So in a larger sense, that applies to the whole world, and there is considerable concern in Asia, for example, about the expansion of agricultural areas and grazing lands uh, to uh, semi-arid regions, and the same story is true in West Africa. Now, when you're talking Asia, which countries in Asia are you thinking about when you say that? Well, uh, the major the major uh, source is is China. It's okay. huge, of course, and there are large areas of desert and and arid, semi-arid lands. Yeah, a lot of people uh, don't know that, doctor. That uh, isn't it in northern China. I'm getting my yeah. that they have yeah. a desert that has and all of a sudden within seasons it has this unbelievable windstorms. And it's and and it causing would you you'll correct me, like a dust bowl throughout all of China, and it takes picks up on the pollution that is already in China in the cloud system, and moves over to uh, the Korea and Japan and other countries. Yes, that that, that is indeed true. That uh, in fact we it was uh, the group that I was associated with that first uh, discovered, and I use the word discovered in quotes. Uh, the fact that there was such large quantities of suspended particles, both natural and pollution, being transported deep into the North Atlantic. So we With were the we did the, mm-hmm. we did that we did that early work there. But the 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 issue uh, and and of course the amount of pollution emitted out of Asia has increased dramatically with industrialization. And we've done some work in that area as well. Now, I just the, got back from China, uh, from Japan and South Korea. Last week, and doctor, I was—I never saw anything so beautiful as countries. And the water, the green, the gorgeous, the cleanliness—everything was just absolutely magnificently. Total respect to their land, total respect to the people. But when you looked up in the sky, you could see the influence from China coming in through the cloud system. Yeah, 
they uh, China has is indeed uh, one of the largest sources of pollutants in the world now, and uh, they uh, that that's of course a major concern. And the the the, ask, the the dust story is a, another story and a different story. And it's not at all clear that uh, how how much the issue of land use and the like has uh, has affected dust transport. Uh, if you look mm-hmm. at at uh, dust storm records in China, they've actually decreased since the uh, 60s and early 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's largely because that was a time of tremendous expansion in China, and they did didn't do things very well. But it's it, still an issue today is to discern or distinguish between uh, the natural climate factors that affect dust transport and the aggravating factors that come from land use. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, back to the water, um, you know, my concern, Doctor, is we're talking about what it's doing to the air, we're talking about the soil, everyday living. But can you imagine the influence on the waters? Uh, yes. Well, that that's of course uh, a major major uh, concern, especially where pollutants, the you know the the conventional pollutants, nitrates, ammonia, things of that sort and heavy metals and the like, which are carried into the waters. And the atmosphere contributes to that as well, although I don't think that's, from the standpoint of the impact on water, it's quite as great as the direct runoff from uh, land sources. But now, the, if uh, we could for a moment, too, before we run out of time on it, um, you mentioned something that, about the rivers. And when I was studying way back in time, I recognized that the rivers influence on the ocean was there from the beginning. And uh, when the rains came down and all of a sudden the aquifers would fill and here came uh, tributaries and it came to, to the low point in May, and we have an ocean. And you mentioned something that you were a little surprised that the rivers were not the biggest influence. Did I, was, did I get that correct now? Well, correct that me. The, that was from the standpoint of transporting mineral dust. That is just the soil particles. Okay. Uh, the because the what happens with most of the soil particles when the fresh water uh, uh, it, uh, debunks into the ocean, uh, which is uh, saline and has a, a neutral well pH eight, uh, a lot of these particles will be rapidly removed from the water column, so it doesn't it doesn't. It, it's not very effective in transporting to the open ocean. I, I mm-hmm. tried to make clear when I made that statement that I was referring to transport to the distant ocean and that mm-hmm. is not immediately along the coast and estu- in estuaries, things of that sort. I mean, clearly the rivers have a very dramatic impact in those regions. Now, what is your feeling? Um, and you can be say you don't want to discuss that if it's something you're not prepared for, but... Uh, what is your thinking on uh, the dams that are being built around the world to protect the wa- slow down the waters from uh, let's say you have a drought year and all of a sudden you do, then you do have a dam back uh, up of a little a water reservoir what is your what have you been learning about uh, uh, dams in different parts of the world well i i don't know very much about dams uh, anywhere in the world except that i know that it's a you know it's a major issue trying to await the the uh, the uh, usefulness of dams in building up water water resources, 
and then the environmental impact of the dams, which impede the natural water cycle in, in rivers. So mm-hmm. you know, we've all heard the stories about what happens to uh, rivers such as the Colorado and the like when they build these huge dams. But, uh, I mean, that's a societal question that, uh, that people have mm-hmm. to weigh uh, when they come to make a decision about the building dams or doing anything else. I mean, there are, there are going to be trade-offs, and unfortunately, most of the time, the trade-off is made on the side of um, economic decisions rather than environmental decisions. Isn't that a strange, uh, isn't that something, and especially when it comes time for water, Doctor? You know, um, Earth, human, Earth has a secret here, I believe, is the fact that it's, it's got to be the water every moment of the day. And all this money they're throwing at stimulus or whatever you want to call it, I'd like to know how much money they threw, uh, let's say, because they're throwing it around. Water, water, as you know, you may, you're making it a dedication to uh, in the air, but can you understand, uh, can you believe that if without the water there is no planet for eternity? We even had one scientist on here one time who said, Sharon, I don't know if I use the word eternity. Um, I'd like to make sure we are going to use the word eternity, that we're all studying together and each person listening and their friends and their family from all walks of life on this planet are thinking about water first and everything else second. Um, what, I bet you've been startled that they don't put water first. Well, uh, I, I, have a, I have a very uh, strong interest in water because water in many cases is the, the inverse of dust. So I'm, in, in a sense, looking at the impact of water or the absence of water on a much larger scale. Uh, the, but, I mean, clearly it, it's, it is a highly critical issue, and we're extremely wasteful of water. We take it for granted, both in the, the quantity of the material that we, or the water that we have, and also the quality of it. I think that there's a growing awareness of these issues, but how far people are ready to go to really uh, address the issues in a substantial way uh, is another question. Everyone is uh, concerned about using where their tax dollars are going, and uh, people are very willing to... uh, favor, look favorably on all sorts of good causes, except when it comes time to pay for them. You know, this is where I'm at. I think the better education that this radio show provides, and we've had the most wonderful guests on here, and from all over the world, from Holland, Kenya, all over, and going more, that the more guests we have and the more education we have and the more you're helpful people will begin to be educated about why water has to be a primary source of all health and living and understanding your planet and your environment and your ecosystem and what is the environment. Water has to be first. Um, Before we leave you, could I have a feeling of what you have about what happened in the Gulf there with the oil and the and the marine biology and what is happening. What do you think is going to and the wetlands? Do you have any thinking on it at all? Any evaluation yet? Well, you know, I have I have opinions about it. Uh, I but not being a marine biologist, uh, I, I I can't give you an authoritative statement. But uh, it's you know it, it it's a horrendous event. And it's a unique event in its scale and also in 
the way that issue was addressed, uh, that is the incredible amounts of dispersants which have been added to the oil. And uh, I don't think anyone really knows what the impact of that oil, in, in particular or perhaps especially the dispersed oil, what the impact of that will have uh, on the environment. On the atmosphere, uh, too. We've had calls well, about uh, the atmosphere and causing a serious eye troubles, lung troubles, and yeah, asking there, questions. There, there, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the light uh, uh, organic compounds in the oil will evaporate fairly rapidly when the oil is on the surface and uh, it's going to get dispersed. But once the oil gets closer to the shore, there, there certainly is a heavier residue. And what happens with that stuff when it, when it cooks is another issue. But uh, the, other, the other part of the story is that uh, when you have bra- uh, waves breaking and bubbles forming on the surface of the uh, ocean, when the bubble erupts, it carries with it some of the oil film. So there are a lot of particles, and, and, and when I make the statement, I don't have any measurements, uh, and there are, I'm aware that, he, that the EPA and other groups are looking at this and looking for uh, the, the impact on aerosol particles, but I don't know what the results are. But speaking from uh, my past experience, those spray droplets will carry with them uh, bits of the organic film on the sea surface, and that will be carried uh, with the winds. And mm-hmm. there we go. the winds are on shore. You're going to mm-hmm. you're going to be breathing them. Whether yeah. it's the concentrations are high enough, and whether the the specific compounds are harmful to the to the body, I don't know. I I would rather not breathe them in myself, but I can't say whether it's going to have a a big health impact. But now, that, with that your background, um, before we're done, also. Um, I just something came to me because we were talking about the Gulf problems, and the uh, first thing I think about are the wetlands. When you've been studying the atmosphere uh, and and the marine life uh, and more waters, what have you learned about the uh, well, the wetlands? Uh, they're becoming throughout the world extinct, somewhat. Have you been learning more about what people need to do to protect their wetlands and why? Well, I, uh, I really don't know much in an authoritative way about wetlands, but it's been uh, as long as human history, as we go back in human history, we can see that humans have uh, spent a great deal of time, effort, and money draining wetlands uh, for various reasons. reasons. Uh, I mean, well, for their own use, but whether to build on them or to use them for agriculture mm-hmm. or to, you know, get rid of malaria sources, things of that sort. But, I mean, that's, that's been going on from, the, well, the Romans did it in really a big way, but I don't think they were the first. But uh, that's a part of human history. And uh, I don't think that people have worried about that too much until relatively recently. Okay. But I, I really can't address the issue in an authoritative way. Mm-hmm. But you did notice in your in your studies that it started so long ago that they didn't understand the value to the wetland for the long term yeah. future. Yeah. Until well, yeah, we know we know that uh, from our own work looking at at the sources of uh, of, of dust that is, we, if we look at satellite images, uh, for example, 
and we see where the most intense dust activity is activity is taking place. We we often see that these these hot spots, these dust hot spots, are the ephemeral lakes, uh, dry lake beds, things of that sort. And a lot of these lakes are going dry uh, because uh, of the of water diversion. I mean, the RLC is a, a classic example of that, of course. But uh, water diversion has played a large, uh, a very large role in creating these these basins of uh, former lakes uh, or lakes which become ephemeral lakes because of the diversion of water. So well, that is a perfect uh, discussion right there on what you just said. I meant report that what happened in Iraq way back. We had a guest on from National Geographic that said that. That there was a time when Iraq had uh, through the country canals. Yeah, yeah. It was and the, then all it was, of a sudden, was, look yeah. at the sand now. Yeah, yeah. They they had plenty of sand to begin with, and they have a lot more now in, in those some of those regions that where they where they drained the uh, the wetlands. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that could happen to anywhere. Well, you know, I look at it oftentimes, Doctor, at the moon and different planets that they're trying to study that are really don't have the water we have, and they may have it. You don't know. I'm just throwing out a, a thought. It, uh, you don't know way back in time. They may have had water at one time and didn't have good water planning either. Well, I, I don't know <laughs> if there's any planned water diversion on, on uh, the moon for Mars. But, uh, oh, the, you uh, heard they found we, some if, ice, and now they're going we were, back to see if it was some water there. Yeah, well, if we ever get there, we will certainly divert water if we can. That's what we're doing these days. <laughs> well, we have just a moment left for you to make a last statement, a thought, to leave with the audience throughout the world. Is there something that you need to remind them of, of something they could study also? Well, uh, I mean, the, the, the one thing that has always motivated me in my work is to try to understand how uh, the entire work, the world functions as an integrated system. And so I think that the, the important concept in not only in research but in our, our lives should be to regard the environment that we live in as an integral part of our own lives, that everything we do um, has an impact on our environment and, and the Earth in general and, and indeed the processes that go on on Earth, whether they're natural or human-induced are going to impact on our lives one way or another. So mm-hmm. it's the it's that it is that system concept of humans really not dominating the earth but being a part of it. And uh, we can't dominate the earth. It will dominate us in in the end. We'll pay the consequences. And what we have to probably remember at all times, and I try to remind that we're living with the earth. It's not going to live with us. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for your special your time. Uh, uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure everybody that listened has too. I want, and you, well. you have a nice day. Okay, thank you. And, and thank you, you for joining us. Okay. Be okay. well. Bye-bye. Bye. Didn't, doc, that was Dr. Joseph Prospero. Didn't we learn something here? That when you're living on the earth, some of the things that we take for granted, here comes some dust in the air. Uh, you're going around thinking, oh, some country is having a dust storm. Um we're learning that throughout our planet, we are influence the, influ- the, the influence of all of us is so important. And 
One of the things that came to my mind, audience, at the end of our conversation with Dr. Prospero is each person can do something. And I can, what came to my mind is, um, is have you ever had a, in your family a child or a grandchild who likes to have a, use a towel, a brand-new towel, every time they take a bath and shower every day? All of a sudden, that has to be go to the washing machine and to the dryer. All of a sudden, you think, why couldn't they assign a towel to the person to use? They wouldn't have to use a brand new one because that way there'd be less washing, less drying. It, it seems so simple to think that way, but that's the way to begin to think is what can we do each day to be proactively thinking? We are important. We are a secret. There is a whisper of our own particular footprint. What can we do, um, each one of us? And it's kind of fun. You can make it a hobby that you're part of the orbit and you're very important to that orbit. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we're going to be back with Art Bernstein, who is going to be filling in today. Our second guest could not reach uh, our, our, our station. So we're going to be talking to Art Bernstein here in a minute. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Art, are you with us? Hello, Art, are you with us? Uh, I hope so. Oh, thank you for joining us. We just had Dr. Joseph Parspero on here, who his background is uh, atmospheric chemistry and Right. understanding the air and you have a master's degree in forestry and um, there's a background there that's really fascinating that i found very intriguing that uh, the planet and its dust influences the whole planet in other words if you're sitting if you're over in china and you're developing an industry and that, but yet you have in china north of china a desert to create has a climate change in season, and all of a sudden you have this enormous amount of wind and dust uh, storms coming through, and then it's 
it's, it's collecting in the cloud system of the pollution. I just got back from, China, from Asia and found that Japan and Korea are so beautiful and the water is so beautiful and everything about the people is so concerning about being health conscious and environmental conscious. But when you look up at the cloud system, you can see the influence coming in from China. So what did you learn in forestry about the soil and the, the um, influence on the atmosphere of, let's say you're in the forest, you're in the desert, wherever you may be, that dust is a huge, and that soil, that dust is a huge influence. The dust is a huge influence, and the pollen is a huge influence. The pollen, too. Uh, have you ever been to Crater Lake uh, in early summer and... The shoreline, the water surface of the water looks yellow. No, now audience, and Crater Lake is in Oregon. Landing in the water from the okay. trees and the forest surrounding it. Okay, so explain that again. I, uh, it's it comes at the end of the summer. Uh, well, the trees put out their pollen uh, in early summer and late spring. So if you go to Crater Lake this time of year, you will look down and you will see. Uh, white pollen or yellow pollen all over the lake. Mm-hmm. And, it's very and this is nature. This is there, all nature. People study this. Uh-huh. And, uh, they find pollen from millions of years ago, and they figure out what plants were dominant on the planet, you know, 10 million years ago. And they can, you know, the, the, the evolution of uh, ecosystems, uh, how it's changed by the glaciers and everything, they can trace all this. They study pollen and glaciers and... and uh, the pollen goes all over the world. It's like now the, explain the to the office, uh, explain to our uh, people worldwide our, the description of the word pollen. What does that mean? Describe that to them. Pollen is uh, a little three cell. It depends on the species. One, two, or three cells, and. Uh, but it comes from the limb. The tree puts it out, or the flower, or every plant. Okay, every puts living out pollen, plant. And then the pollen lands on a, a tree of the same species, and it fertilizes it, and it produces a flower, and it produces fruit. Or in the case of the pine cones, it, it fertilizes the pine cones. Okay, okay. Uh, and I'm going to ask you the first pollen, thing that came to my mind with the bees. Or pine trees. Uh, conifer trees put out cones, okay. and the cones uh, have unfertilized seeds in them. Uh-huh. And they also put out uh, pollen anthers, which are little dangly things mm-hmm. uh, that don't look like cones. They just look like little dangly things. And those put out pollen. And now I'm going to ask you about the bees. They're wind-pollinated. Art, Art yeah. I'm going to ask you about bees. They've said we've had a problem uh, in our... Uh, uh, just, uh, uh, we do not have the bees here in the United States that they would usually we would have to. Uh, and you explain it to the audience. What okay, bees? Some are plants are bee pollinated. Some plants are wind pollinated. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Douglas fir trees and pine trees are wind pollinated. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't know whether you know you can study pollen plants that are bee pollinated the same way you can study plants that are wind pollinated. Mm-hmm. I have now, our, our um, audience today just learned something from you. And Dr. Prospero is 
there's a, a wind pollen and then there's a bee pollen. And people were not realizing, as I wasn't with the doctor studying, is the uh, atmospheric chemistry of the wind, dust and wind, and what happens with the climate changes. And we influ- the earth and the planet Earth, it's like when we had a guest in, for, a scientist from Hawaii, and he was saying that the birds brought all this to Hawaii from all over the world for all this, thousands of years, I'm sure. They carry seeds, yeah. And uh, can you imagine what the wind was bringing? Yeah, of course, the wind can't carry seeds. It can just carry the pollen, the fertilizers. There we go, the pollen and the fertilizer. already be there. Yes, yeah. So... And, you know, this is the education art that is so important that the, our guests, everyone's teaching us on this show, yeah. is that we're learning the planet Earth is, uh, has these secrets. And in those little secrets, I call them, and it's whispering, I'll call it, you, there's so much more to this than, than is the obvious. It is you never know com- when you're going to turn up some little factoid that's going to change everything. Exactly. We're all yeah. so, and each person is so important to this. Yeah, absolutely. Very important to this. And this is why I say each person is a human mission because for some reason there were humans put on this planet to do something. And I'm saying the water should always be the first, the first most critical choice. What are we going to do to protect the water and make sure there's plenty of water for all of Earth? And somebody mentioned the other day that without the air and for some water, and I said, well, without water, there would be no oxygen in the air. you got to have oxygen. Well, the plants that provide the oxygen need water. Exactly. Um, well, I'm going to let you go, and okay. I appreciate you filling in for no, the doctor today, the professor. Uh, but, again, we're going to have you on again soon. Yeah, I'm uh, on the subject matter, and tell us what that subject will be when you're on. Um, subject Thursday. Um, oh boy, I forgot. Uh, well, we'll pass. We'll pass it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. Okay. You have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Well, there's so much Bye. to learn, Bye. and uh, we will learn. And the show, as you know, is exciting. Uh, it's a show that does want to save a life, and there's not one person that comes on that isn't in research and studying what makes a better life, a better planet, and a healthier t- uh, lifestyle. The things we'll be doing to remind ourselves are the Earth does have a secret. Embrace your life every special moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave your footprint. And by that, listening to this show, Save a Life, listening to this show, and spread the word throughout the world. world. Follow me on Twitter at Sharon Kleina Hour, and let's do this together. I want to thank you for listening today. You have a nice day, and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.